You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. All right. We're at the head of the home stretch, part three. All right, number eight. Timing has a lot to do with the outcome of an Indian rain dance, but there are people who can make it rain. So we shall talk about cash stampede, cash flow sur surges. What is required in order to, well, he's ruining competency and I'm ruining devices. There we go. Um, so sometimes, every once in a while, you might like to have a big cash flow surge in your business. And um, there are there are requirements that have to be in place for that to happen. So uh, I thought I would take you through those because tactics don't matter if the essential elements are not there. But it is a useful thing to be able to do. Um, we sometimes call it being in the income at will position, um, able to uh, wake up and decide you, uh, you want to buy another boat or... or um, or another divorce, or another horse, or another, you know, something, and uh, needing a little more money than is normally flowing in, it's useful to be in a position to make that happen on demand. And that is very, very, very possible if you have the right elements in place in your business. So here's the list. Number one are quality customers. Loops back to things we've talked about before about the sustainability of a business. So your, your future is very much governed, your future ability in this case to create income is very much governed by the quality of the customers you put into your inventory. And so most business people do not give this enough thought. And everybody early so if there's anybody just starting a business, um, we have all been in that position. And regardless of what it is that we do, it is anybody with a pulse and a wallet. You know, uh, when, when, when people start as speakers, Lisa, me, I mean, and you get the call that first year, uh, we're looking for somebody who uh, could come and talk to our group about uh, the breeding habits of the three-horned Australian frog, well, you reached the right place, Bob, because it just so happens I'm an expert on that particular topic. And then, you know, you gotta, you book that date, and then you got to get some information. I mean, that's what, that's what everybody does one way or another early. But you want to get out of that as quickly as you possibly can. I tell this, since Gail's here and since you're here, I'll tell a speaker story. I won't interest hardly anybody else. There is an NSA guy he just introduced. We, I rarely attract NSA folks, but there's an NSA guy here who just introduced himself to me. So um, I'm busily ruining him for NSA forever. Um, so one of the earliest gigs I got, paid gigs, um, actually, Gail, this came out of my chapter in a Dottie Walters anthology book. Yeah, you, your, draw should, your jaw should drop. A paid gig, huh? And so this was the Administrative Management Society, Wichita, Kansas chapter. Right? And it was uh, 800 bucks an airfare. Right? And I can't remember the meeting planner's name, but she was a dear little old lady. 
when I finally got there. She was like 102 years old and four feet tall and running this thing. So administrative management society is, so here's what they all look like, first of all. Okay? They're all kind of older white guys, and they all have plastic pen protector things in their pockets full of lead pencils. Few of them have protractors jammed in there, too. And they all got the shoes with the little holes in the toe and the laces. What do you call them things? Wingtips. Yeah, but they got like the army issue version with the big thick soles and, and, they're, and the pants are all this much too short. Uh, a bunch of them are wearing white socks. And they're all standing around at the cocktail hour boring each other absolutely to death. So I'm not exact. I'm still to this day, I don't know exactly what they do, but they administratively manage something. And... I mean, there is not an ounce of energy in this room at all, right? And they're there for dinner, and I'm the after-dinner speaker, and I did whatever I was doing at the time. I don't remember now. Some presentation on listening skills or some damn thing. And, um, uh, and when I'm done, this meeting planner woman is one of the most enthusiastic people I've ever seen in my life. She thinks I'm the greatest thing she's seen in 20 years of booking meetings and and on and on and on, and I'm, all I'm trying to do is get away, you know, politely, and get out of here. Because unlike her, the audience was as dead as dead can be. So I think I was supposed to do 90 minutes. I did about 70. You know, I just, after the first joke, I cut the rest of them out and just, you know, zoomed through the acronym for listen and, uh, and you know, headed for the door. And she's, like, glued to me like that little petite guy glues himself to you. And uh, she's, she's like very enthusiastic, and, 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 and she, says, she says, I, tomorrow, I am getting on the phone, and I'm calling the, lead, the, the, the executive directors of the other 49 state chapters, because we are going to get you at every single one of these. And I'm going, dear, I'd really rather you didn't do that, because... I don't want to speak to the other 49 chapters. These people are not my customers. They are never going to be my customers. There's never going to be any residual value. And as much at the moment that $800 times 49 uh, on the surface seemed appealing, it, it is a poor use of time, energy, and effort. And almost everybody does it in their businesses. It's like they... They put themselves in situations, they do marketing, they do advertising, where the only end result of it can be, at best, a very brief transactional benefit and then no residual value whatsoever. And there is only so much time, there is only so much energy, and so as quickly as possible, you got to begin to think strategically, not just tactically, about who do I go get has my customer. And most people don't think about it at all. If you ask the typical small business owner, restaurant owner, practice owner, whatever, uh, to, to define their ideal customer, they can sometimes give you a pretty vague profile. Although some will just say, oh, well, everybody's anybody, because they're, but some will have a profile. But then if you ask the second question, which is, well, exactly what do you do to make sure that the only customers you get fit that profile? You will get a blank look from everybody, because okay? nobody really thinks this way. And, but if you are ever going to have a bunch of them in place that you can pull the trigger on, 
and, and actually get this kind of a cash stampede, it's critical. So uh, right after, actually during, because the process was pretty quick with me, so, so we'll say right after. Right after my divorce from wife number two, uh, who most of you know the, is also wife number three. Um, so for those of you that don't know, I got it right the third time. I finally married Rich. Um, um, so right, so, so right, although mysteriously, it all didn't come back. I don't exactly understand this, but I've chosen not to make an issue out of it. Um, um, but so right after that divorce, and give or take half of net worth disappearing, uh, I put it all back in 28 months. And, and because I had these elements in place, the first one of which was quality customers. The former CEO of Disney, Michael Eisner, the CEO before Iger, he and Disney people tell this story about right after 9-11, um, uh, 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 the tourism industry and the travel industry knew they were in deep trouble because enormous reluctance to get on an airplane right after airplanes have been hijacked and flown into buildings and people have been killed and so forth. So, and the travel industry did take a huge, huge hit Florida tourism dropped by 45%. Disney's business, by the way, barely dropped at all. And there were, the Imagineer who told me the story said that at the time there were 237 major projects underway at Disney for which there were Imagineer teams and construction teams and design people and employees at work and money being spent. And uh, four or five days after 9-11, there was a company-wide um, uh, a video conference with Eisner for all the employees and everybody expected to hear projects being put on hold, budgets being frozen, people being laid off, etc. And Eisner came on the screen to everybody and he addressed it and he said everybody's probably expecting for good reason that we are going to have to put a bunch of things on hold and we're going to have to scale back some investment for a while and, and, and there's going to be layoffs and I want you to know none of that's going to happen. He said it will happen every place else but it will not happen here because we can trust our customers. Now that's a powerful, powerful position to be in. Can you trust your customers? to spend when even everybody else's customers in your category aren't spending uh, to support you uh, in the manner to which you have chosen to become supported. Um, that's why quality customers are so very important. Second, quality unconverted leads in the pipeline. Very often, the best way to get a cash flow surge is monetizing the unconverted leads not necessarily going back to the existing customers for another basket of money, although I certainly did that. But um, uh, uh, I've actually got, so here's how, here's how you know customers know you. So like after we announced the divorce, I very quickly, of course, got a bunch of condolence cards and notes and stuff, supportive notes from customers. And a goodly number of them also said, 
um, we know once you're out of the ether, you're going to be sending the bill for the settlement to us. So, uh, you know, we look forward to seeing what the next offer is, you know. Because um, we have that, we have a saying called send the bill to the herd. I mean, that's, so when my trainer calls up and says, hey, I just found this horse, you want to buy him? He's 35,000 bucks. I said, it's okay, we're not spending my money, I'm spending theirs. You know, we'll just send that bill to the herd. So the unconverted leads, though, is often a, a more fruitful place to go um, if they are of comparable quality to your good customers. And that's why you don't want to, even if you can, you don't just want to do one-step selling. Because when you do one-step selling and only get the buy-now customer who will come in this week and spend their money, you don't accumulate any unconverted leads. But unconverted leads have a lot of money in them. And if you just do one-step selling, you never get them. You only get, you run your ad, and you only get the people who are ready to buy right now. You don't get a whole bunch of people who aren't ready to buy right now, but will be ready to buy at some point in time in the future. And almost all businesses have a false theology, um, a secular religious belief about their businesses that get in the way of developing unconverted leads as well as of doing follow-up. So the automobile industry, is anybody in here in the car business? Anybody? Who will admit it? Two. Um, so the car business, if you get most car guys, and you do look like a car guy. You, you look exactly like a car guy. Um, uh, so mo most car guys will, will tell you, they have a saying in the car business, for example, that, that, that there ain't no B-backs. So a good car guy will tell you there ain't no B-backs. You either close them when you get them in the showroom or you ain't never going to get them back. The current statistics uh, from our friends, Penn and Teller, who, who, that's not the real names, but you know, the big, tall, fat guy and the little one that it'd be better if he didn't talk, uh, that spoke at the last Info Summit, uh, uh, is that it's nearly 80% of all new car buyers buy a car the third weekend after three weekends of shopping from a dealership that they have been to more than once during that process. Now, there's empirical fact that contradicts theology. Now, right now, it's random, but imagine if one dealer in that mix actually did follow-up. <laughs> imagine, right? And from a standpoint of leads, here's the other salient effect. 25% of the people who shop for a car now then don't buy one, and they buy a year later. Now, if you had enough of them stacked up in an unconverted leads pipeline, you got something. But Nobody in the car business does that, let alone generate leads on the front end and give somebody an information offer instead of a come into the showroom this weekend offer so they can build a pipeline of leads. So the second thing it's useful to have in place if you want to be in the income at will position is a good-sized pipeline constantly being filled with leads making their way toward being ready to buy. Third key element, reachability. And ain't no good to have either customers or leads if you can't affordably and effectively reach them. So, for example, if all you have is their email addresses and the open rates of email go down, then you don't have reachability. So, if you collect a bunch of email addresses 
and you don't collect hard addresses, and you don't get phone numbers, you are compromised in the reachability category. There's two issues about reachability, being able to use a variety of media and having media that they will pay attention to. Having a bunch of media that they won't pay attention to doesn't do you any good. Then, coupled to that, is relationship equity. If you have great relationship equity, they will pay attention to you almost any time you want them to pay attention to you. They will at least give you an audience. So you've heard the Halbert thing about direct mail probably, but just so everybody remembers, America sorts its mail over a wastebasket. And with mail, real mail, most people sort into three choices. A pile, I want to get into this, and I want to get into it as quickly as possible. Some people have relationship equity with a bunch of their customers who want to get into whatever they send them right now and will actually stop what they're doing to get into it. So I subscribe to over 120 newsletters. There's only one I won't set aside. I find it so entertaining and so interesting that I find it in the stack. Pretty much everything else will wait while I get into that. He has real relationship equity with me. Okay? But at least the A pile, okay? and that's, I'm going to get to it today. I'm going to get to it tonight. I'm going to get to it first chance. Then there's stuff that goes in the B pile that, you know, I'll get to it when I get around to it. And the C pile is the trash can. Right? And if you don't think people do this, if this is not how you behave, and because, of course, I actually keep all my junk mail. There is no C pile for Dan in the trash can. The C pile is in a big box, and it ultimately all gets looked at. So if you behave that way, you may not think people behave this way. Go to a UPS store, a post office, uh, mailboxes, etc. Well, they were bought by UPS. A post that, one of those kind of places where people have post office boxes and go there at a busy time like lunch hour and watch what people do when they pick up their mail. They don't even get to the car. They go over to the big metal trash can and they sort, right? Well, they do this with every other media too, right? You do it with, look at your phone, who's calling? Right? You do it with the delete button on your email. You do it with everything. Right? And uh, uh, unlike mail mail, some of that people now have automated systems. You probably do. That like blocks incoming email from a bunch of people. So there's all kind of hurdles for the salmon to swim over before it can get to you. There's really no block in the mailbox. You have to pick it up. You have to decide what you're going to do with it. You have to throw it out or you have to not throw it out. But in all cases, people are screening before they will give you an audience. And you got to make it past the screen. And that requires relationship equity. So people will say, well, I mailed, you know, this great offer out to 5,000 of my customers, and we got terrible response. What'd you get? Only 1%. But they might have got 50% of the small number of their customers with whom they have a good enough relationship that they actually opened it and read it. So relationship equity is very important. 
and you have to do measurable things. This is one of the few places that you will hear me argue for doing things that can't be precisely and individually measured because we invest in relationship equity and we can't actually measure the direct return from, say, sending everybody a box of chocolate rabbits at Easter with our newsletter. We can't really make a ROI argument specifically to that. All we can do is judge the overall ROI argument of what's our customer worth per year, does the customer value go up or down year to year, but relationship equity is very important. Conditioned responsiveness. This is also very important. When you go to your audience, your list, and you need response, like you got to pay for the boat, the horse, the surgery, the divorce, whatever it is you go pay for them. So you really need response. You better have conditioned them to respond often, frequently, a lot before you need it. That's why there should be, in newsletters, there should be offers of free stuff and lead generation offers and all kinds of different ways and reasons for them to respond that do not necessarily require them to give you money when they respond so that they are conditioned to respond. And if we're not training our customers to respond, so again, it's one of my arguments about a lot of customer newsletters that get sent out is there's one offer in it for the month and it's a buy something offer. There's no go here, see this, call this, and we'll send this to you for free, participate in this contest, do this, do that. And the more of that you do, the more conditioned they are to respond. So when you actually do need them to respond, they are more likely to respond. So conditioned response. So as a speaker, some audiences are conditioned to buy. Some audiences have never seen it before. So if you sell from the front of the room like I do, you like, and it's appropriate for you to be there, going and working at a Ron LeGrand event, you know everybody has already been trained, right, with a combination of carrots and cattle prods to get up out of their seats and wave their credit cards and run to the back of the room, right? And you know they've been trained to do that. That's a tremendous advantage if you are about to ask them to do that. It was harder, for example, to go do that at the success events because it's a mixed audience. A bunch of the people in the room have never seen that before. It's an enormous shock to them. They have not been pre-trained to do it, and so it's harder to get them to do it. So conditioned response. The ability to build an irresistible offer. If you want a cash flow surge, one great piece of the puzzle is an offer that it is incredibly hard to resist. One of the best, which many of you have seen, because I show it often, it is in, I don't remember now, it's, but you have the whole list. It's either in Archives 1 or Archives 2. Not that I did it, but I put it in there anyway. It's Bob Stupak's original offer for Vegas World. So... Bob could pretty much pull the trigger on this with his lists anytime he wanted to. And 
uh, it's sort of the aspirational model for how you create an irresistible offer. So the Vegas World offer, the hotel is now the stratosphere. It's still a dump, but it's a bigger dump. Um, um, so the Vegas World irresistible offer, which worked in magazine ads, it worked in direct mail, it worked everywhere. The core offer, the base offer, was uh, $399. You got lodging for two for three days and two nights, as they say in the travel industry, deluxe accommodations. So you got lodging for two. You got um, uh, all the booze you could drink, whether you were gambling or not. The booze in the bar was free, too. So you just drank for free the whole time you were there if you had a little magic card. You got a couple of buffet tickets. You got a couple of show tickets. Um, you got, I mean, his show. Um, not, you know, a real show, but not a good show. But um, uh, I can't, the comedians are still there at the stratosphere, by the way. I, I just saw it the other day. And I, they got to be, I mean, they got to be wheeling them in there. Um, but so, so you got show tickets. Uh, you got, uh, oh, you got uh, hot dogs and popcorn at midnight. Um, and you got, and here's, the, here's the kicker, you got $600 to gamble with. So for 399 bucks, you got your room, you got your food, you got your booze, and you got $600 to gamble with. Now it's match play. So even money bet, you bet $5 of the 600 they just gave you. And if you win, you don't get $10 back. They keep the $5 malarkey chip, but they do give you a $5 real chip. Right? So it's really $300 of cash, understand, but it's $600 of gambling action. Okay? Then, to make this offer more irresistible, when he needed to, he would just pile on bonuses, uh, a spin of the million-dollar wheel, a cubic zirconia ring, uh, a small little portable TV, a uh, scratch card that you scratched when you got there, and maybe you got a zirconia ring, maybe you got a TV, maybe you got this, maybe you got that, everybody got a zirconia ring. Um, but he would just pile on these bribes, right? And uh, just for trivia, so Bob said, so first of all, we get a bunch of the money back because there's a lot of really dumb people who figure out the $600, the $300, $600 deal, and they want real cash for some reason, even though they're not going to go anywhere. They're going to stay here and play anyway. So the first bet they make is they go over to the roulette wheel and they put half of it on red and half of it on black, right, to turn it into $300 in cash. He said, forgetting the fact that there's green zeros on the roulette wheel in which we take all your money, and my roulette wheel has 17 of them. Um, um, I witnessed this personally with my brother, okay, who actually did it on two different trips. Okay. I mean, it wasn't enough to have it happen to you once, you had to let it happen to you a second time. Uh, and then there's breakage, because people paid for this ahead of time and then had to redeem it. So this is Disney dollars. You now have this certificate for this vacation, but a good 20% of the people never come. Okay. And the rest of them, on average, six months, seven months, eight months later. So this is how he built the hotel, is selling these packages. But that is nearly an irresistible offer. A person, it's hard for a person to resist it. Uh, $399, I get 600 bucks plus a free room, free bo all the booze I get. It's, it's almost irresistible. And that's what you have to try to get to. You have to Carlton's story of the somnambulant sloth sitting on the couch 
you know, and the phone is just out of reach in order to place the order. It takes a real big pry bar and dynamite and everything to get him off that couch to crawl over to the phone and place an order, and you better build a great offer. Timing relevancy. It's helpful. You can't always control when you need money, but it's helpful if there is timing relevancy to the customer or to the lead that you can make a urgency argument to them. We know you have urgency. You want a cash flow surge and you want it right now, but it's helpful if there's a reason for them to have urgency other than the fact that you need money. So timing relevancy is useful. And last, you have to be believed with your customers about scarcity if you claim it and deadlines which you almost now in this situation have to claim. If you cry wolf a lot and you claim scarcity and then miraculously another 117 appear or you don't stick to deadlines. You have the problem of our friend who drew the red line and then kept moving the red line. The red line then has no meaning. So these are the elements required for a cash flow surge. I'll tell you two cash flow surge stories. So one, if you're an info marketer. So is there anybody in the room to whom the name Dean F. Duvall means anything? Well, let me just see for curiosity. Well, anybody? Two? Yeah, you got to either be old or serious student or both. So. There was a golden age of kind of opportunity information marketing, and there were a lot of weird ducks. The industry attracted just strange people. Um, um, and they were all fun to know, and they were all fun to watch, and they were all very, very weird. Harvey Brody, Joe Kosman, um, uh, 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 Dean F. Duvall, got by name Alan Sean Feinstein. You'll find some of Feinstein stuff in my archives, too. He was a weird duck. So Dean, he had a product. So Dean sold all kind of different ways to make money. Yeah. And a lot of them had to do with mail order. And he, everybody got a newsletter. If you even run the unconverted lead list, if you were a customer, you got a newsletter from Dean every month. And Dean was always talking about, so his master product, his ultimate product was what was called the mail order matrix, which was his behind the scenes, the complete and comprehensive system he used for his own business. And this thing was $5,995. And talked about it in the newsletter, and it was in the catalog. And, um, and, and this is 1970s, so 5,995 bucks is a bigger chunk of change than, you know, than it is now. And he later told me, he said, we hardly ever sell one at $5,995. Every once in a while, somebody shocks us and sends in a check. He said, but that's not the point. The point is to set up the two or three times a year when I find a reason to allow 37 of them to be bought for 995 bucks. And when we send that baby out, the phone rings off the hook. So the sale is set up with a false price that if somebody does buy it at the false price, terrific. And by the way, it was worth every penny of $5,995, although I did not pay that for it. But 
I can tell you, if you had bought it for $5,995 and actually paid attention, you, your money was well spent. But the point was to set up the $995, which is like open for only a week. Today, you could do it online, and it's only open for 72 hours, and you could see the 137 click down as people took them and all that. None of that was available. This was all, you know, you had to send somebody a letter, and they had to call, and somebody had to take an order. But that technique can work for all sorts of things all the time. So Stupac, he got in some trouble with the city of Las Vegas at one point as he was constructing this hotel, because he really was. It was a one-story slot machine place. Like you walk in off the street and there's slot machines and you walk back out. If you've been to Vegas, kind of like the old Lucky O'Shea's place. And so that's what it was when Bob got it. And when it was done, it was, I don't know, 30 stories in the air and a second tower, and then he sold it to those guys who turned it into the stratosphere. He literally did build it one floor at a time as the money came in from selling the vacation packages. So this place was always under construction. You were walking under scaffolds and shit. And, and they, had, they had mirrors on the whole one, two walls of your room were mirrored, but the mirrors were like stuck up there with the little peel off sticky things, you know, you buy at the CVS store. So the thing was always coming off and landing on somebody's head while they were in the throes of lovemaking. It was, the whole thing was not a pretty picture, you know. But I mean, it was really high comedy. But so he got in some trouble with the city of Las Vegas. I can't remember now what the problem was, but it happened at the exact same time that he lost a million-dollar bet on a fight because Bob was a big fight better, And he, had, he won all the time. He was in the news. I mean, he was known for this, but he lost a fight, and I don't remember what fight it was. So he dropped a million bucks on a fight, and he was in all kinds of trouble with the city of Las Vegas, so Bob needed cash. And he said to me, so here's what I did. We took all the unconverted leads, right, and we sent them another copy of the $399 pitch that they'd been getting. And we crossed $399 off on it all over the place. And we put our little lift note in that we were, because I lost a million bucks on a fight, uh, we were going to let 100 people have it for $99.95. And he said we sold 32,000 of them with one <laughs> mailing. Boom! because it had been set up with those leads, $399, $399, $399, $399, oh my God, $99 and 95 cents. It's the Dean F. Duval technique. Disney, in their timeshare business, you are actually, you're actually buying a bucket of points, which you then use in place of money to get your accommodations. Well, they sell extra points. So periodically, to celebrate something, Mickey's 50th anniversary, um, the building of a new facility, the opening of Beauty and the Beast buffet, it almost doesn't matter. Any excuse is okay. Here comes the mail that allows you to buy extra points at a discount but you have to be one of the first X number. I got one they did when they built the one next to the Grand Floridian. It's the only one I've ever got FedEx, but it came FedEx. Three day, which by the way, doesn't make any difference most of the time. Looks the same, has the same impact. Sent them all three day. And it literally was our kind of copy, my kind of copy. It was, we sent this to some of our best 
Vacation Club members, we chose you, and we sent it to everybody by FedEx, so everybody's getting it at the same time today at 10 o'clock in the morning. Therefore, the race is on, because we are only going to let 50 of the 700 and some odd people we sent it to have extra points up to X number at X number off. Now, again, Carla's been at this with me for, she's been at this for 30 years. She knows this deal. But every once in a while, you know, you get caught. So she's got the FedEx clutched in her little paws. And this just came. And we got to do something about it right now because only 50 people. And they sent it to 700 and some out of them. Says so right here. Okay. Do you think we should get some extra points? We're getting them at almost 50% off. I think we should get some extra points. I said, Carla, God knows how many people they sent this to. <laughs> All right? If you call them next Tuesday and want extra points, they're going to sell you extra points. I'm telling you right now. Oh, no, no. It says right here, only 50. Right, well, but go back, see, Disney believed regarding scarcity and deadlines. Somebody else, she wouldn't have reacted the same way. Disney believed. Right? Timing relevancy, I forget what it was for us, but it was some season for us too. Irresistible offer, conditioned responsiveness, we respond to Disney. Okay? So they got all the elements in place to pull the trigger and get a bunch of money anytime they want it. Right? They're only limited by the law. They can only so many points based on how many units they build. And you know, there's some kind of law about that. But So number nine. Just because you're following a well-marked trail don't mean whoever made it knew where they were going. So, double your income by doubling your territory or doubling your distribution or relocating your selling to more fertile places. So, the fact of our life now that amazingly a lot of people do not respond to is that for nearly 70, 80% of all businesses, one way or another, traditional geographic boundaries no longer exist. Consider the food business. So in the food business, there's a butcher shop. Well, let's back up. Let's take coffee. I, I doubt it is possible to be anywhere in America and be, no f be further away than the end of this stage from the ability to get a cup of coffee or a bag of it to take home if you want to. The Howard Schultz joke is they are now opening Starbucks inside Starbucks restrooms, all right? Because <laughs> they're just out of places to open them, you know. So, I mean, there's coffee everywhere. There's cheap coffee. There's gourmet coffee. You can go to Costco, get 55-gallon drums of coffee. You have no problem getting coffee. Gavalia has over, last year, you get this from the mailing list data, 362,000 new customers signing up for continuity clubs to have their coffee shipped to them every month at their house. It's coffee. 
362,000 people signed up last year to the, to the Value Coffee Club to have Value Coffee sent to them. It's not exotic coffee. It's not that coffee that's in the price book that's made out of cat poop that people pay $400 a pound for. It's just coffee. You guys do know about the cat poop coffee, right? Yeah, okay. You know about the cat poop coffee? You don't know about, see, you got to go read the price strategy book. There, I swear to God, this is true, okay? It's like $400 a pound, okay? It's this, what's it called? Civet. So it's, if anybody ever offers you Civet, C-I-V-E-T coffee, it's made from cat poop, all right? They put the coffee, they have the cat eat the coffee beans, and the coffee, and the cat craps the crap with the, with the processed coffee in it. They get all the cat poop, and they turn it back into coffee grounds, and this is a gourmet treat. I tell everybody, when Jason Mars first explained this to me, I went home and kicked the dog. I mean, so, but, 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 but anyway, this is ordinary coffee, 362,000 people. Now, I know in a country with 200 million people, I guess that maybe is not that impressive a statistic. However, they're paying $49 a month to have three bags of coffee shipped to them. That makes it a little more impressive. So the food industry, we get our beef sent to us. There's supermarkets where we live. There's butcher shops where we live. There's cows. You could go out in the dead of night and do it yourself. I mean, there's like no shortage of, we have organic grass fed from cows that get a daily massage and live in a place with aromatherapy and music steaks sent to us at some unconscionable stupid price that come to us. We used to get, when I was poor, we used to get Omaha steaks. <laughs> then we graduated to Allen Brothers steaks, which are Omaha Brothers steaks at four times the price. Now we get this, it's La Sense or something, I, don't, I think, and it's like, you know, it, it adds back up to a $200,000 cow, I think, is what it adds up to. But, and it comes in the styrofoam box, you know, it's a big deal. This is food. This is, there's a little cupcake store in Hudson, Ohio, close to me, that's about the size of a closet, okay? And they make cupcakes. Cupcakes. Not cupcakes out of cat poop, just cupcakes. Flour, sugar, some milk, some sprinkles. Okay. The place is the size of a closet until you get to the back room. The back room is this enormous, like, factory. And they are shipping cupcakes all over the damn place. People are paying air freight. It's 30 bucks a dozen. See, she knows. Right? Hmm? I did. Of course. Um, so they're shipping cupcakes all over the place. 30 bucks a dozen, you said. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, then you got to add FedEx and extra insurance and all that stuff. This is today's food industry. So now, I want you to think about this. So here's this little cupcake store in Hudson, and they're shipping cupcakes all over the place, all right? And probably within 15 miles, there's somebody with a cupcake store or a bakery starving. All right? At the end of the day, they got to eat their own stale cupcakes because they didn't sell them and they got no money. All right? and, and they're one step away from going out of business, 
and business is horrible, and the economy's terrible, and you can't make any money in the cupcake business anymore, and there's no difference between these two except one th still thinks the geographic boundary. So, you know, the old idea for a lot of, a lot of brick-and-mortar businesses was five-mile radius. You know, you take, I, I talk about it all the time in magnetic marketing speech, you take the map, you put a dot where your business is, put styrofoam cup over it upside down, draw a circle, that's my market. But that's like way antiquated. But people still believe this. They still believe this. They think people won't drive across town, let alone 100 miles. Again, in my industry, in the free preview seminar business, there's some rules about this, same kind of old rules, and everybody's still operating by them. And yet, I can prove to you that people will, in California, to come to a three-hour free preview seminar, they'll get on an airplane and they'll fly from San Francisco to L.A. in order to do it, or vice versa. But everybody's still operating by the own rule. So if you think about increasing income, if you simply increase territory, if you increase the body of population who might give you money, and you're any good at getting money from a certain kind of customer within a 10-mile radius, if you can now operate in a 40-mile radius, even if the effectiveness declines as you go out, you could at least double your sales and income simply by expanding the territory. So all these old rules no longer apply. And it's not necessarily just expand the area, so you might expand the place you go to sell. So I have told this story, but it is instructive. Every, we have about four major racehorse auctions a year uh, in Ohio where I race and where I have racehorses. And when you go to the racehorse auction, everything that's there has to do with horses. They're selling harness and sulkies and wheels and helmets and, and whiz-bang new shoes and all sorts of stuff. Right? And except for one store one exhibit, big, big store. Guy comes and sets up a jewelry store right in the middle of the auction. It's the auction arena with the horses and the sawdust and the horse poop and all that is right where you are and the jewelry store is right here, all right? And there's a few pieces that have to do with horses, but that's not the point. The point is who's there who's there are people with dumb money to spend because they are buying things with four legs that eat while they sleep and are guaranteed to go lame. They are buying a future tragedy. That's what they're buying. All right? Let's bid on the next future tragedy. Who's in for 20? Okay. I've wanted to name one future tragedy, but my trainer keeps saying it's sort of bad luck. Um, but, but, but that's what they're buying, right? So they have dumb money. More importantly, they are not exclusively, but they are predominantly guys. And they are predominantly married guys. Because that's one of the ways you have a lot of money is you stay married. Right? <laughs> Ask Burt Reynolds. <laughs> um, so they have a wife. And here's what every one of them told the wife. 
I'm just going to the auction to hang out with Bill and Harry, just be sociable. I'm not going to buy another horse. And he is coming back with another horse. <laughs> Having the lead shank in this hand with a horse attached is a lot less trouble when you go home if you have a diamond tennis bracelet in this hand. <laughs> Changes the dynamic. Right? In some cases, the horse goes unnoticed. <laughs> so this guy sets up his jewelry store, and he sells a ton of jewelry. Now, probably in his base town, his hometown, right across the street from him, there's another jewelry store with a guy running it, barely making a living, crying all the time. Business is bad, jewelry sales are down, less people are getting married than ever before, which is true, by the way. They're waiting until later in life, so they all got a ring they already used and got back, and they're not buying rings. And they, so he's weeping and moaning and wailing. And if he saw the guy, if the guy showed him what he was doing, all the guy who's starving would do is laugh at him. There's no risk of him being copied. Not a risk. But he understands he's not limited to his store and his five-mile radius around the store. Most people think they are limited to their store and the five-mile radius around the store. So I'll show you a couple of examples. So this is one many of you know. I'll show you the current ad, though. This is different than the old ad. So this is the current ad running in uh, Investors Business Daily and Forbes and a few other places for a client of mine, Darren Garman. Paranoid Iowa banker reveals four simple investments that he uses to produce double-digit returns in any economy. The original ads that we launched this business with, by the way, are in Archives, Volume 2. So Darren was, when he came to me, an ordinary commercial real estate broker in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, dealing with apartment buildings and commercial properties. And Darren made himself very, very successful. He's a former... The old original ads have to do with his story as a prison guard in Iowa who got fired and so forth. By the time he came to me, but he was already a student, although I'm not taking full credit, I don't mean it that way, uh, he was controlling 70% of the transactions in Cedar Rapids, Iowa of apartment buildings and commercial properties. So he was literally at the point where there was no more to get because some percentage are going to go to my brother-in-law's in the business, and i got to do business with my brother-in-law. So his problem really was, I'm like, i got all I can get. Now what? Right? I said, well, you got to, we can't be limited by Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Right? Well, I don't want to move, and I don't want to open another office, and I don't want to, okay. However, it's a big, wide world out there. There's people in Hawaii who want to buy commercial real estate. There's people in Japan who want to buy commercial real estate. Why don't we sell the Iowa real estate to them? So why on earth would anybody, I said, well, we've got to figure that out, but I'm sure there's a reason, right? right? So why don't we sell real estate? Now, the best benefit of this is price elasticity. Because when you sell apartment buildings in Cedar Rapids to people who already own apartment buildings in Cedar Rapids and who live in Cedar Rapids and who drive by the apartment building all the time, they have in their head a number of what that thing is worth. 
and it's a tight number against its appraised value. And it's hard to shake them from it. When you sell it to somebody who lives in Los Angeles, and by the way, the whole 12-unit apartment building costs less than one apartment in Van Nuys, you get some price elasticity, which allows you to do marketing. So we created a story about why people outside of Iowa might want to own commercial property in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, which, by the way, the central part of the story initially was kind of product-focused. Right? So the good news about owning real estate in Cedar Rapids, just so you know, is nothing happens. It's the place in America where nothing happens. About every seven years, there's a locust attack. Uh, every once in a while, in one part of town, the river raises up, and a couple houses get flooded, and they show it on CNN, because, you know, unless there's a war, CNN will show you anything. Uh, but, but really, nothing happens. Right? I now own about $2 million worth of property there in, in, in our apartment buildings. Do you know what the average length of tenancy is? 14 years. <laughs> 14 years. It's the Roach Motel. They move in, they don't get out, right? That's the deal, right? And, and, and I mean, they won't leave. You keep raising the rents, they ain't going nowhere, all right? This is heartland of America. This is, they don't mess up the apartments. They take care of them like they're their own. This is salt-of-the-earth people. We went to college kids. The apartments are pristine clean when they move out because their parents would whip their ass if they didn't take care of them. This is Cedar Rapids, Iowa, baby. So this was the original story. Then we picked up on something. So he now still controls 70% of the market, by the way, but 80% of his dealings are with people outside of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, all over America, most of whom buy sight unseen from webcasts and direct mail. Over 70% never have a one-on-one -on -one conversation before they FedEx in checks. Right. There's investors in Tokyo, there's investors in Texas, there's investors in Ohio, there's investors in New York, there's a Hollywood producer, there's an oil man from Texas, on and on and on and on and on. We quickly picked up a trend. They had lived there, maybe not in Cedar Rapids, but Iowa, Kansas, you know. They went to school there, grandma still lived there, or at least they had grown up in a small town a small Midwest heartland of America town, which they now had a fictionalized, nostalgic view of, remembering growing up in Mayberry, which, you know, in reality they hadn't, but they now have that in their heads. And they are now the Hollywood producer in L.A., where, as he put it, I'm in the most superficial city in the world, and I like owning things in a place that is real. Uh, they are now in New York in a high-rise, and they're bumping around, and they got to get a cab to go over. So they, so one list that works for us, by the way, is people who subscribe to Iowa newspapers who live somewhere else. All right. that, that list is great, by the way. So then we started to talk less and less and less about the product and more and more and more about what goes on there. The pictures are all the 4th of July parade with a flag on every house, Friday night football, all that. The numbers no longer even matter. The math, the features and benefits, the product stuff is the least important piece of this puzzle. Now, everybody thinks you can sell high-rise Miami condos to people who don't live in Miami. Everybody thinks you could sell property in Vegas to people who don't live in Vegas. 
There are people who believe and are doing selling property, say, in Belize to people who live here. Nobody thinks you can sell real estate in Iowa to people who do not live there. Iowa. It's like, you know, the state slogan is, why? I mean, you know. My point is, you can sell anything to anybody, and you can violate geographic boundaries doing it. This is, this is a Phoenix jeweler um, called Molina. So this is a fine jewelry store in Phoenix, Arizona. This is their full-page magazine ad in a not-Phoenix publication. This is a magazine for classic car collectors, buyers like me. And they are advertising uh, and congratulating the winner of the Pebble Beach Best of Show car thing and giving them a $25,000 Molino diamond right-hand ring. And they are in Phoenix. And they go and set up a store at every collector car dealership place, but show, but also people get on an airplane and fly to Phoenix. It's a nice place to go anyway. And so they go to Phoenix, and while they're there, they go to Molino and they shop. Plus, he works this market all year long in all the magazines and all the shows to set up one big harvest. The Jackson Barrett Car Show is in Scottsdale, Arizona. There's a week of nothing but car shows. And all the rich car freaks from all over the world come to Scottsdale. And they go to Molino Jewelers. And because he went to the car show and said, I'm just going to hang out with my buddies. I'm not buying another car. And he has bought a car. And it is easier to drive the new car into the driveway if you have a $25,000 diamond bracelet in the other hand. Sometimes they don't even see the car. That's Molino's business. This is my client in the wealth management business. So this guy is fundamentally a financial advisor, money under management guy. That's what he is. And so what most money under management guys, what do they think their market is? The city they live in. And so, by the way, the poor ones will tell you, well, I'm not doing well because I live in Duluth. It's hard to find money to put under management in Duluth. Well, one thing you could do is move. That, you know, I used to get that all the time. It's in one of my books. When I was on the road all the time and I lived in Phoenix, you know, you're coming back in on the airport and the person next to you is, are you going home or are you going on vacation? Oh, I'm going home. Oh, you live here in paradise. Oh, I wish I lived in paradise. And then they would give you the 15-minute talk about how horrible the place was that they lived. I'm going, I know where you live. And when you get home, take a look because the government, with its money, has a service to you, has mounted big green signs everywhere to tell you how to get out of there. <laughs> you can leave. And there's big green signs that point you all the way here if that's what you want to do. But no, 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 I'm in Duluth, so I got to get my clients in Duluth. So this is a wealth manager guy. So this is full-page ad. Um, uh, when a man sells his company, his target market is people who have sold within the past six months or are in the process of selling their company 
for no less than 10 to $50 million. That's his sweet spot, right? His market is America. It doesn't matter where his office is. It's irrelevant. His media is national. His market is national. Now his market is niched, his market is targeted, but his market is national. By the way, nowhere in the ad does it say where his office is, and nobody responding to the ad cares. It's relevant to them as it is to him. From a play strategy standpoint, I'll tell you something else that's interesting about this ad. So this is the one that appeared in Forbes. Uh, this is, we started in September, actually. And yes, it works in Forbes, which is the obvious place to run it. And it works in Barron's, and it works in Investor's Business Daily, and so forth. There's two other places so far it works better. One you might get that's kind of obvious is Private Jet Traveler magazine. Okay. So we're in business, business jet for the second month this month, which is a magazine only people who fly private ever see. And, uh, and we're the only advertiser in there for anything but jet-related stuff. So NetJets is in there, Senient is in there, big hotel resorts are in there, jewelries are in, in, in there because jewelers figured out, you know, the guy flying on the private jet has got the trophy wife and is buying something and needs to come home. So they're in there. But we're the only wealth manager guy. In Forbes, there's 30 of them. In Business Jet, it's him and him alone. But here's what works even better than Business Jet. Cowboys and Indians. Mm -hmm. And I picked it too, so I'm, you know, it's good to be right. Um, so Cowboys and Indians, how many of you know what Cowboys and Indians magazine is? Very good. Okay, for those of you who don't, how many of you know what Rob Report is? Okay, more of you. Okay, so Cowboys and Indians is Rob Report, kind of, for people with a lot of dumb money who are into Cowboys and Indians. So they decorate their house, you know, like the log cap, you know, the Bonanza house, and they got the chandeliers with the antlers on them and the leather-studded furniture and, you know, that stuff. So there's a lot of furniture ads in there. There's a lot of high-priced real estate ranchettes and, you know, the Wyoming cattle thing that you're never going to have cattle on. And so there's real estate ads in there. There's women's apparel and women's jewelry ads in there because the Cowboys and Indians, here's the, demo, here's the profile of the Cowboys and Indians reader. Right? He is 50 to 70. He has sold or is selling or soon will sell a company. Roughly at the same time, he gives half the money. He does a Jack Welch. Right? He gives half the money to the current wife, who's been with him the whole time he built the company. Right? So all that's fair. And then he uses another half of the money to acquire the new wife, who's half his age, and then he buys all this expensive apparel and jewelry and stuff to put on her at the new house they build in Aspen. He's my guy's guy. Because the rest of the money that's left really needs to be protected. Because it's irreplaceable money. Up until now, he could replace money. Now he can't. He doesn't have a company. So that money really needs to be protected. Because he lost half. He spent half again. He's spending half of the half again. What's left? This guy can't afford to lose it. He's our guy. So Cowboys and Indians works even better. But it's all about, he happens to be, his office is in Austin. It's all about not being 
boundaried to Austin. One of the best ways not to be boundaried is one-to-many selling through media rather than one-to-one selling in person. So we haven't even yet done a webcast for the unconverted leads because we haven't had to. But I can't wait to do a webcast for the unconverted leads because Ted's real good and he's homespun and he's going to be terrific on camera in an interview and we are going to clean house with the unconverted leads from all over the country. And it doesn't matter where Ted is because he can be on video on the internet from wherever he wants to be, right? So one to many is a great way to get beyond boundaries in all sorts of businesses. Which brings me to a quick commercial reminder. Um, oh, I did want to mention my guy, oh, two things about boundaries. So the other real estate example, like Darren, is I had a client some years ago called Canadian, uh, Canadian Development Properties. And they go far outside a city and they get a bunch of raw land and then they get some drawings done of what the raw land might look like if in fact it ever got developed, providing somebody would give them permits for water and all that. And then they cut it up into parcels and then they sell it to people. So I wrote a sales letter that revolutionized his business. He's in Canada. We revolutionized his business in Canada. And I don't remember how the conversation came up, but he said to me, do you think this would work? if we mailed it into Japan. Because Japanese investors at the time were loving buying Canadian property for some reason. I understand we didn't have Canadian property. We had drawings of Canadian property that might someday be, look like the drawing. All right. I said, I don't know. So you'll see it in the archives. I put it in there just for fun because I have no idea what it says. So it's a 28-page, so the English version is in there. And then there's a 28-page version all translated to Japanese. Uh, and we read lead generation ads in um, um, Financial Times, the Tokyo newspaper, and some other Japanese city newspaper. And they answered the ad just like they would here. And they sent him the sales letter. And lo and behold, checks came in to buy pieces of the land in Canada. The letter worked great. You're not limited by boundaries. So one to many. Uh, I have my titanium group. I don't think Andre's here. I have my titanium group. A guy comes over from Russia. What's Andre's last name, Lily? Do you know? Kasserine. 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 Something like that. Doesn't matter. Okay? Um, he doesn't care that we know his name. He don't care. So Andre comes for titanium all the time from Russia. And, and he's very funny, by the way, because Russia's funny. I mean, it doesn't appear to be that to you right now, but Russia's funny. And, 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 and he's very funny. So he, like, last year, I think he wrote and published 2,300 books. Right? Because he says, you see, Russia has no, so as soon as you put something up on the web, everybody steals it. So he just publishes as fast as they can steal. That's his whole theory. But he's actually going to wind up in the Guinness Book of World's Records for having the most number of people on a webcast ever. And it's some huge, do you remember the number? Huh? It's over 50,000 people on one webcast for like nine hours, and now he's going to go for the record for the longest web, web, webcast. He's going to do seven days, and he's going to keep on webcast for seven days. He's a very funny guy. <laughs> but he had, so think about this, in case you think you're in a bad market. He had for his, essentially, how to get rich on the Internet seminar, he had 2,300 people in a three-day seminar in Siberia. 
Make up your own jokes, okay? I mean, he's a remarkable guy. So, no, so anyway, one to many. So uh, I have these two events in June. You probably know about. We have the wealth event, and then the day afterwards is a one-day intensive on craftsmanship of one-to-many selling presentations. When we break tonight, because there's like 17 or 18 seats left in that too, if you have questions about it, come up here and talk to me. I'll hang here for 10 minutes or so. I'm happy to answer questions about either the wealth event or the one-to-many selling event. Uh, but you do have a registration form either in your bag or at the back of the room. And one-to-many is definitely a great way to go beyond boundaries. So let me show you one other thing. Again, some of you have seen it before, but a lot of you don't get it. It's a version of the same thing I just told you about the Cowboys and Indians magazine. So essentially, in advertising media, there is obvious media and unobvious media. There are obvious lists and unobvious lists. There are obvious places to go sell things. So a jewelry store, every jeweler goes and exhibits at the bridal show. They all go there. Only one guy shows up at the horse show. Only one guy shows up at the car show. So there's obvious and unobvious. The benefit of unobvious is you often get to show up alone, which is in and of itself differentiation. So there's a media that a lot of people think is dead, and pretty much everybody else thinks is dying. The second group, you're right, it's dying, but it is dying slower than you would think. It's called the Yellow Pages. Now, some of you don't even, you've never seen one, all right? It's a big yellow book, and everything's in there, from aardvark groomers to zookeepers and everything in between. So the Yellow Pages, because it is dying, has actually become a better media for many advertisers and purposes. Because first of all, a lot of people are leaving it, even though it still works, because they think it's dying and nobody uses it anymore, which clears out some clutter in every category. Secondly, the Yellow Pages folks are a little desperate and scared, which is always good in a media if you're buying media. Desperate and scared is a very fine thing. They are desperate and scared. And so they are letting things happen that 10 years ago they never would let happen. And five years ago you had to fight. So when Rory Fat, when I started working with Rory Fat in Vancouver and we created restaurant marketing systems, he still had this business called Simple Salmon, which was ill-named because it really was home delivery of gourmet frozen meals. And I said to him, People are at home, they need food, they don't want to go out. What do they do? They look under takeout and restaurants in the Yellow Pages. So we need to be there with this because his offer was free dinners, so it was free sample. So we'll jump in the car, we'll bring you these. You try these, if you like them, we'll stock your freezer and you'll never have this problem again. That's basically his pitch. So we went to the Yellow Pages and wanted to advertise in restaurants and takeout and they said, no, you're not a restaurant and you're not a takeout restaurant, and we can't let you advertise in here because all the restaurants will scream bloody murder, and so you can't do it. It took us about a month to, fine. So went down to the, whatever the county courthouse is, the version of it in Vancouver, Canada. He changed the name of his company to Simple Salmon Restaurant, Inc., and we went back and said, see, we're a restaurant. And then they took the ad, okay? But that wouldn't happen in a lot of cities. Now, however, 
out-of-category advertising they're taking because they're desperate and terrified. So in Lancaster and in Philadelphia, the Gardner's Mattress guys, if you open up their Yellow Pages book to chiropractors, you find an ad for their mattress store. Can't sleep, bad back, we got the answer. And they scoop off. So national direct response advertisers have figured this out. For almost five years now, in many Yellow Pages books all across the country, if you open up to dermatologists, you will see Guthy Ranker's proactive ad. National ad, national advertiser for acne glop, right in there with your local dermatologist. These are the secure bath guys. The book I pulled, I was in a hurry and I couldn't find the Guthy Ranker ad actually, but so this is the assisted living category. So the advertisers here are places you go stick relatively affluent old people. So this is an assisted living center. 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 This is a walk-in bathtub. There is an alternative to assisted living. Walk-in bathtubs and accessible home solutions. Hey, cheaper than stroking the check once a month for grandma at assisted living. We stick this bathtub in. We put one of them little scooter things that goes up and down on the steps, right? And we get her a, if I fall, I can't get up, dumafudgy. It's a lot cheaper. Here's a great answer. They steal business from assisted living centers. This is contractors general. Every listing in here is all contractors. And then here's direct buy. Building, buy direct from the source and save. Costco, who's in the casket business, in case you didn't know it, Costco is testing Yellow Pages ads in funeral parlors for buy your own casket, save money. Most states now, the new law is the funeral guys have to accept your casket if you bring it in. So people are buying these babies, leaning them up in the wall in the garage until the day comes, okay? <laughs> and by the way, at the inflation rate in caskets, it's one of the best investments you could ever make. Unfortunately, you don't get to benefit from the yield, but you know. Investing philosophy though, nobody beats my brother. Same brother that red, black, okay, but he figured out an investment strategy. It's better than anything else, okay? It beats anything in terms of appreciation, yield over the last 20 years. Beats stocks, bonds, real estate, gold, anything and everything. Beer and toilet paper. Actually, if you did fill your house with beer and toilet paper 20 years ago, right, and you didn't use it, which is the fallacy in his investment system. <laughs> but, but if you didn't use it, it's outpaced the yield in every other kind of investment by a big, wide margin. The inflation in beer and toilet paper is remarkable. So that's called out-of-category advertising. How do we be the only advertiser in a place somewhere people are looking for something else that we can steal the business from. It breaks boundaries. It's a great strategy. So number 10, last. Teaching 100 people how to rope cattle or mend fences is easier than roping cattle or mending fences. And yes, it is. <laughs> 
So some of you are, some of you aren't. But I would quickly make the case that everybody ought to consider, at least as a second thing to do, being in the information marketing business probably has an extension of your success in your core business. So the most common path, the GKIC path, if you will, is someone masters their business or some portion of their business. They don't, by the way, have to be unique. So in chiropractic right now, there are, if you get Dynamic Chiropractic, the trade journal, and you open up pretty much any week's edition, you're going to find at least 20 full-page ads from information marketers, coaches, trainers, consultants. Right? Seven of them are my clients, competing with each other. There's really nothing unique. They all have mastered practice marketing. They do something a little differently. There's plenty of doctors to go around. So this path of, I've, I've figured this out. So do, if you were in my practice marketing session by any chance this afternoon, Dr. Burleson, Ben Glass, wherever Ben is. So Dr. Burleson, orthodontist, Ben, an attorney. Uh, I just saw Nelson a minute. We were upstairs. There's Nelson. So, so Nelson's one of our most interesting info marketers, right? Because Nelson is a pastor with very successful churches who now has packaged up everything he does to market a term they don't use, his church, uh, and, to, and to shake the money out of the parishioners, another term they don't use, and sell that to another term they don't use to 3,000 and some odd other pastors and church leaders all across the country. Right? It, if you happen to have a really successful brothel and you knew you could package it up and sell it to all the other brothels. The business doesn't matter. Here's some quick benefits. You can do small numbers if you wish, but big profits. They can be about small pyramids. You can keep it kitchen table size if you want to. You can make it bigger. Okay? Uh, you can move it. It's mobile. Unlike most businesses, you can control every key element. So what's wrong with a lot of businesses is you don't control every piece of the puzzle. Okay? You control the customer, you don't control the product. You control the product, you don't control the customer. You've got the product, but you don't control the dis 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 distribution. Info marketing business, you're in control of everything. There's enormous flexibility. You want to you talk to customers face-to-face, -face, you can. I have info marketers who haven't talked to a customer or been seen by them face-to-face -face in a decade, and they have no interest in doing so. They're in a witness protection program. It, it, it can be portable. It can even be built to start, stop, turn on, turn off for a while, turn back on. Okay? And it is all premised on a very simple thing. This is how simple it is. I have something that works. It would work for you too and make or save you X. Here's how to try it risk-free or you can be the only one in Cedar Rapids, Iowa to have it, and here's how to investigate it and decide risk-free. That's it. I got my orthodontic practice, and I have figured this thing out, and I have something that works. Brings you a ton of good new patients. It would work for you too. Here's how to try it. That's, that's the underpinnings of this business. And there are countless, countless, countless peoples 
making very nice extra income, and countless other people making large sums of money. So this is just a recent report I just got in from an uh, off-again, on-again client. Hadn't heard from him in about six years. He sold one company in our industry in a niche and just kind of taking time off, and um, he's back in the game. So he surfaced to tell me his latest story. So here's his story. He's got 900 customers out of 45,000 possible. So he's at a 2% market share. They're paying him $397 a month. So less credit card processing and refunds. He's at $321,000 and change a month. He's paying out $50,000 a month to have all this content created because he doesn't feel like doing content. He's paying out $80,000 a month to have all the marketing run, which is mostly automated and outsourced anyway. He's paying $30,000 a month for a staff of three who pretty much does everything else, and $20,000 a month in there for miscellaneous overhead. Uh, so he's keeping $141,000 and change a month. It's $1.7 million a year. He's done it in a year. Now, it helps that he'd done it once before, but now, this time, he's done it in a year. And here's how he structured his business. He never travels on business. His old business had seminars in it, doesn't want to do them anymore. No seminars, no events. No face-to-face -face or one-to-one -one customer contact. It's all published product, group telecoaching, and done-for-them services, and almost all of it is outsourced. His schedule is Monday through Thursday, two hours each morning, and two full days a month. It's 40 hours a month. He got to this point, no travel, no seminars, no nothing, in three years, strip that out of the business. He's now on schedule, net of attrition, okay, to go from 900 to 1125, 1125 to 1406, et cetera, and et cetera, et cetera. He's not done a single thing that anybody couldn't do. The other thing you should know is that the info business, somewhat uniquely, allows us to create evergreen assets. So a lot of businesses, a lot does have to be reinvented all the time. But there are people in the info marketing business using the same ad, the same mail piece. You see less of it, same web website, but it does happen for three years, five years, seven years, 10 years, 15 years, even 20 years without changing them. The thing he has built probably runs for the next 10 years without hardly any modification. That's a great asset to have. Secondly, they lend themselves to streamlined offline to online, which is what the majority of my clients are doing and what he's doing. We're using offline marketing to drive people online. The online sales presentations make the sales. The little robot in there processes the money. Uh, the, the trans stuff gets dumped into Infusionsoft and messages go to them, and it all happens seamlessly, 24-7, no matter what it is that you're doing. Hardly any other business gives you the opportunity to do that. So I wanted to show you a couple of evergreen examples. This is not mine, but many of you will have received it. It's, ma it's mailed so much you will have gotten it. It looks like this. It's not particularly exciting. Okay. Um, the return address copy is clever. It says, uh, waiver of sig signature. I authorize delivery to be made without obtaining sig signature of the addressee or the addressor's agent. Since it's going pre-sorted first class, that wouldn't happen anyway, but it sounds cool. Um, 
And here's what this mail piece looks, looks, looks like. It has a little lift note. Uh, Dear fellow American, my name is Porter Stansberry. You're probably wondering why I sent you the enclosed analysis. The reason is simple, etc. That's the lift note, which is the only new thing that's been added to the evergreen piece that they've been mailing for five years. So the only thing that changed is this piece. And then there's a little booklet that says, warning, what you're about to read is controversial, may be offensive and disturbing to some audiences. Reader discretion is advised. There's a little box down here with the date in it of when they send it to you and instructions on when you got to get back to them. And then it's a booklet-style sales letter that sells a doom and gloom, end of the financial earth as we know it, newsletter uh, to help you protect your money and stay alive when the crash comes. This has been mailed in the hundreds of thousands of copies every week, week in, week out, year after year after year, going on now five years. This is a wonderful little thing to own. Hard to own it in almost any other business. This is five years evergreen. Um, It's the only reason I'm going to be sorry to see him go. So... This is let President, crazy Texas millionaire says, let President Obama make you rich. Um, I keep trying to get this client to let me add, and you'll be the only one. But he will not, he will not do it. Okay? It's a two-page lead generation, drives online to a website where a sales presentation is made, has a deadline. The only thing we've changed is the color of the paper going back into the same mailing list again and again and again for five years. This little piece so far has been worth over $15 million. It's a nice little thing to have. There's no reason we have any expectation of its results tapering off anytime soon because, unfortunately, 2016, he still, he plans on staying, by the way, in case you have any doubt. they're going to have to pry him out of there. And then this is, this is a version of that. This is how to get a good second paycheck without a second job, which, by the way, is a direct theft from a TV infomercial um, that I worked on in 1984 or 85. So back into my archives. Uh, and most of the rest of the copy is the same as the copy in here, just Changes the headline and the theme, drives to a website, makes a sales presentation, makes a sale. So we're at five plus years on these. This one is not tied to the president, so it might live on, I don't know how long, but this one will live on at least until 16. Show you one more. This is now, so I'm showing you one from a January of this year magazine, but this is unchanged now going on seven years. This is a full-page magazine ad that's the client with his pet tiger on a leash. Um, Well, I attract interesting people. Um, And this is for a business opportunity to be in the safety industry and sell chemical deterrents and burglar alarms and stuff like that. Um, And there's four ways to order the kit. And... um, and this is in what magazine? Oh, this is in small business opportunities, which you'll see on a newsstand, like Office Max and Barnes and Noble and so forth. But it's also controlled mail. However, the same ad works in about five other magazines. It would work in 50 more. He just is lazy and doesn't 
a lot of tests. But so this ad is going on seven years, no change. By the way, think about print versus online. For those of you who do a lot of online, see if you can get seven years out of something online. It's a lot harder. This baby does not get changed. Not a word. Not a picture. Not a nothing. It just runs and brings in money. Seven years. That's what's possible in the information marketing industry. So one upcoming thing I would say to you, you're at the super conference. In case you don't know it, we do an event at the other end of the year in November called the Info Summit. It's all about the information marketing business. I don't know if Dave has told you, but at this one, which I have never done, and I promise you I will not do again, we used to do an A to Z thing the day before. So I'm doing a different fast start program just for beginners. You should only be in it if you are a virgin to info marketing. So I want a room full of virgins. Right? So we're going to St. Louis, not LA. Um, so, so, I want, so, so I want a room full of virgins, or you've just begun. You're in the fledgling, you belong in the room with me for the three quarters of the day before. You have to register for the summit to be in that event, but you want to come early for that. Um, I have covered all 10 things. I hope I have done a good job. I hope you've got a lot that you can use. And uh, thank you. You've been listening to one of our gold members only podcasts. Make sure you upgrade and become a diamond member and get access to the diamond members only podcast as well. On top of that, you also get access to the whole enchilada with all dance courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.